Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast, member of the ANA Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge. For brands, there are few things more harrowing than moving on to a new social platform. Over the past 10 years, we've seen a slew of businesses falter on social due to inauthentic messaging, a lack of understanding of the platform, or plain tone deafness. So, when Nerf took the plunge and joined TikTok, they knew they had a challenge ahead of them. Teaming with TikTok advertising maestros, movers and shakers, Nerf set out to find someone native to the platform to lead the way for them. In other words, their very own chief TikTok officer. Let's start the show. Hey everybody, we're back at the ANA Marketing Futures Virtual Podcast Studio. My guests today are Sarah Mady, Director of Global Franchise Strategy and Management for Nerf at Hasbro, and Evan Kaufman, Associate Creative Director at Movers and Shakers. Sarah, Evan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Thanks, Michael. It, it's legitimately my pleasure. Um, now, before we go into this, because we've got just a fantastic, I love when we can bring a brand on for just a really outside of the box campaign and just dig in the before, during and after of it all. So I think everybody's in a real treat today. But before we get started, I'd like to set a baseline. Uh, Sarah, then Evan, uh, could you let us know a little bit about yourself and how your journeys led you to Nerf and Movers and Shakers respectively? Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for the introduction. I think this is going to be a lot of fun today. We're excited to be talking about this campaign and Nerf and TikTok and all the exciting things happening. So this is great. Um, I have been at Hasbro for about five years now. I've been on Nerf, as you noted, for the past couple of years. Before that, I was in a digital role and worked across a whole slew of brands like My Little Pony, Littlest Pet Shop, For Real, Transformers, a lot of the brands that you probably grew up with. And prior to that, I was in various roles in digital marketing, agency side, client side. So I've, I've tested the waters in a lot of different things. In terms of how we found our way to Movers and Shakers, and I'm gonna pass it over to Evan to just give a little bit of his background. You know, we have been talking about TikTok for a long time on Nerf. And I think like the rest of the world, when COVID hit, we started exploring TikTok as a form of entertainment. And it really exposed us to a lot of the things that brands were doing, things that our fans were doing, things that our kids were doing, that we were doing behind closed doors, dances, trying to recreate them. And it gave us a really good sense of the types of things that we might want to do when our brand finally did launch on the platform. And some of the best branded content that we saw out there was done by Movers and Shakers. And so as we were starting to think about what does our TikTok journey look like, we knew that Movers and Shakers needed to be a part of that conversation. And here we are today. So Evan, I'll pass it over to you. Fantastic. Well, that's very flattering, Sarah. Um, I uh, have kind of an eclectic career, which is uh, really sort of um, a benefit at Movers and Shakers. I have been uh, creative for a long time. I was a director and an editor for a while and on the production side and uh, actually years and years ago directed some videos for um, Nerf. So this is kind of a wonderful like full circle moment for me. Um, and I actually came to Movers and Shakers about six, seven months ago. Uh, really excited to join the team. I knew our CEO and COO, Evan Horowitz and Jeffrey Goldberg from actually doing some commercial work with them in the past. And um, we just happened to kind of sync up again at the right time. And I really sparked to uh, Movers and Shakers kind of manifesto and motto, which is this idea of spreading joy. 
and I have a, a background in comedy as well as music. And so our ability to sort of take those to the TikTok platform and create some really native branded content that spreads that joy uh, has been just an absolute delight. And it's uh, one of the reasons really excited to talk about this campaign today. That's fantastic. And it's really cool that not only were the kind of organizations making a, a, a match that made sense, but it seems like you two as individuals were ready for this. You've been prepping for this moment your whole life. Uh, <laughs> sorry to be silly, but like, it really does seem like, you know, it, it takes, it's the people behind the organizations as well as the organizations that have established those cultures that can make exciting things like this happen. So uh, again, just doubly excited to get to chat you both up for the next little bit. Um, so let's go, let's go into it because going onto a new platform, particularly a new social platform for a brand is a harrowing experience or it can be at least. So what did it take for Nerf to take the leap and join TikTok? Sure. So you're right. It is certainly scary to launch on any new platform. So you've nailed that. As I mentioned before, you know, we had been talking about being on the platform for at least a year before we launched anything. So there was this sense of familiarity with it, even though we weren't there. In fact, when I was on the digital team a few years back, we were talking about Musical.ly. This must have been back in 2017, which has, of course, since been acquired by TikTok and merged into the platform. But the fact and the way that this platform has such a special way of authentically connecting and integrating music and so many of the aspects that make it so unique from other platforms has been on our radar for a very long time. So for Nerf, we, we knew we wanted to be on there, but I think the most important thing for us as we were thinking about what does our launch look like is that it needed to be a launch with a little bit of a bang. Like we needed to launch with purpose and we wanted to be very thoughtful about that. And we're a very data-driven team. Or a data-driven organization. And so as we were thinking about, should we be on the platform? Should we not be on the platform? Is this right for our consumer base? We went straight to the data, which is you know, kind of a safe space for us to, to work from. And the data really confirmed what we thought that we knew from our time spent on the platform during those early days of COVID. And we found a couple of things. You know, First and foremost, our consumer was there. So our older consumer, that Gen Z consumer, the millennial parents, not only were they on the platform, but they were the fastest growing segment on the platform. And so it was like, they're there and they're going to continue being there in bigger numbers. And you know, for us, it's exciting to think about a new platform to engage with this audience, which is sometimes a little bit hard to reach in a completely new way. And seeing the numbers around their growing presence was uh, a really nice thing to see. We also looked at the social conversation. Are people talking about our brand, even though we're not there? And to our surprise, we looked at this maybe back in January, February, March, like early COVID, slightly pre-COVID, and there were already over a billion views of Nerf content before the platform had really exploded during the summer of the first wow. summer of COVID. And we said, wow, like people are really talking about us in a pretty substantial way, but we're not a part of that conversation. And you know, how does that feel as a brand? We should be a part of this conversation. And as we asked ourselves, where do we see the future of social media going? Where do we see the future of social commerce going and content? It was on TikTok. In fact, I think in Netflix's, one of their quarterly reports last year, they listed TikTok as a competitor. And I think that just speaks to how much of an entertainment hub, it's not just a social platform, it is so much more than that. And we see that huge potential in the platform. And so we asked ourselves, well, what's the downside of not being on the platform? Given all this data that we have, 
we ultimately felt like not being there jeopardizes our ability to not only engage with a really uh, active, exciting Nerf Nation fan community, but it, it prevents us from being able to expand into an entirely new audience who maybe is on this platform, but not some of the other platforms that we're on. And so the qualitative and the quantitative aspects of these insights paired together helped us ultimately make the big exciting leap that we did make earlier this year. That's incredible. Evan, do you have um, anything to add as brands are thinking about their launches on TikTok? You've seen way more brands launch than I have. I have experience of one. You have experience of many. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think, Sarah, a lot of brands go through the same process that you just said, which is like looking to see is our audience there. I think um, like anything new, you you open up the app at first. And I feel like everyone has had this experience across social. I'm sure there are people, brands right now who are opening up Clubhouse and just kind of going like, what is this? Um, but that, you know, that newness and that freshness, I think can be daunting, but it just means that, you know, the challenge is there. And I think, you know, Nerf and a lot of brands are discovering that there's just this incredible energy behind TikTok. And, um, you know, it's a match made in heaven as far as we're concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny. I remember the first time I downloaded TikTok and, and clicked on the app. <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this. I was scared. I didn't know it was going to autoplay loud music at me. The second thing I was, I was afraid I'm an old lenial. So like this was way, way too much for me at Walt. But then when you see it kind of, you know, permeate its way through every other social channel, you're seeing that it's not just kids doing dances. You, there's like politics there's like everything it really is giving creativity to every type of creator it really makes a lot of sense especially for a brand like nerf who's all about fun who's all about youth who's all about excitement to be on there but the way you did it the big splash you made was a very, very interesting one. The one that I, you know, you it's certainly out of the box. Um, but you hired a chief TikTok officer for Nerf. So where did this idea come from? And then what did it take behind the scenes to make it a reality? <laughs> so we, thank you, first off. We have loved, loved seeing this campaign come to life for Nerf. And not only watching it come to life when it launched, but the lead up was exciting, the launch was exciting, and the impact that this role and this campaign has had on our brand continues to evolve. So it's been, uh, as you said, the before, during, and after has been a big part of, of where we are and what's defining our strategy as we move ahead. But you know, it started as so many things do for our brand. We looked at the data, we looked at the insights, believe it or not. And obviously there's a hefty amount of creativity that was layered on top of this data, but we really started with the insights. We knew we wanted to launch in a big way, and we took a look at what were people talking about? What are other brands having success with? Are there any nuggets in there that we can pull from to do something that, you know, leverages what's working, but is a little bit different? And two things really jumped out at us. And the first is that brands were seeing traction with campaigns or creative or channel management when they gave the creative reins to the community. Community is obviously such a powerful part of what makes TikTok so successful. And whether it was simply asking for their opinions, engaging with them in the comments, or doing something a little more hefty like a giveaway or you know, roll, whatever it might be, whenever they engaged the community, there was a little more traction and a little more success. In fact, we had seen um, at some point uh, last year, 
that HBO had their account running by four summer interns. And we thought, hmm, that's not only an amazing role for an intern, like I wish I had that role as an intern, but the content they were creating was a little bit closer to the mindset of the core TikTok community at that time versus feeling a little bit corporate. And I think that that separation really helped them create content that resonated. So that was always in the back of our mind. And then the second thing that happened, it was a little bit timely, was that at the time that we were looking to launch on the platform, there was a trend taking place, which was the CEO of trend. So this is the trend where people would say they were the CEO of some trait, like I'm the CEO of speaking French, or I'm the CEO of eating soup, or the CEO of ideas, whatever it might be. So we kind of took both of these ideas as like engage with the community as much as you can. And hey, there's this really cool CEO trend. And we combined those two together. And that is where the Nerf chief TikTok officer was born from. And, you know, of course, there was some really brilliant work and ideation and creativity layered on top of those insights from the team to get to that. But it was just one of those ideas that comes along a few times in your career when you hear it, you're like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And everyone we talked to about internally, externally had the same exact reaction. It was this idea is incredible. How do we make sure that it takes off and it has a lot of traction when it hits? And I'm going to pass it off to Evan in a couple of minutes to talk a little bit about how they helped take this idea and make it something that blew up once it hit the platform. Um, but, you know, uh, just a ton of excitement from our team. And, and obviously, we have, um, you, you can imagine that there's, it's one thing to have a great idea, and it's another thing to execute a great idea, making it a reality, especially within the confines and restraints that a large Fortune 500 company like Hasbro has in place is difficult. But everyone we shared it from, from HR to legal, to leadership, to the employment team, to PR, everyone had the same exact passion. And so it was just a matter of bringing everybody in early enough, rallying around this great idea. And it, you know, it, it, it was a race to the finish, but with the great help of movers and shakers and all of our internal partners and just the energy that was carrying us through, it, it took off and we could not be happier about it. Evan, on your side, like when the idea, when you, the idea, you know, was, was brought to you, what was the kind of, what is that, that checklist? Because on TikTok, like Sarah really uh, summed it up perfectly. You've got this great idea and now, you know, you've got to, you've got to make the leap. You've got to bridge that gap from ideation to execution. Uh, and on this, you know, um, very specific platform. Um, what were the what was the thought process into kind of materializing this? Well, I have to say, first off, um, you know, I just I'm going to flatter Sarah a little bit. Um, all of the things that she said are exactly why this campaign succeeded. And her team especially did such a good job at marshalling so many people to, you know, align and get this campaign off the ground. And I think that's really the key, right? It's how you make that first approach because, you know, TikTok has a certain language and it's also new. And so there isn't kind of the saturation point that you would see on say, you know, Facebook. The language of Facebook has changed many, many times. We've kind of grown up with it or the language of Instagram or the way that, you know, these platforms kind of speak now to certain generations. And TikTok is new. And so there's an authenticity there that if you try and fake or if you come in with, you know, we see brands who are like, hey, let's just take our commercials and we'll put them on the platform. And we're like, it didn't even can... work on Facebook 10 years ago. Come on. I know. I mean, look, it's a great place to start, but we are always kind of trying to push our clients to, you know, take another look and take a risk 
And, you know, the fact that Nerf came to us with an idea that was already so smart and authentic and honest, I think was the key to the success. You know, one of the things that they did, it's like any time you start any sort of conversation at dinner, right? You're not going to pretend like you know everything about the meal. You want to ask some questions. You want to like, you know, introduce yourself in a nice way. And I think Nerf did this great uh, thing, which was like, let's one, ask the community, let's present this and pitch it and execute it in an authentic platform specific way. And also, you know, I think it just boils down to this core emotion, which is like, you know, if you're on TikTok and you see this position, you get instantly excited and transported back to, you know, when you were a kid or, you know, when you, when an adult would ask you, what did you want to be when you grew up? It was like, I'd like to be an astronaut. Uh, I'd like to be a cowboy, or perhaps I could be, um, I don't know, the uh, CEO of Nerf and I can just, uh, you know, blast Nerf all day. And so just connecting with that, we saw such great responses from the platform because who, you know, wouldn't want that job. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still gunning for it to this day. I've, I've, I have a dream big kids. Um, resume. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I know some folks on the inside. So I'm just, it's the, the dreams getting realer every day. We've all chatted before. We're, we're buds at this point. And at one point you said that this was, um, one of the the few times that Nerf made a pure brand play. It's, you know, very obviously Nerf is like, what's the next fun, cool, you know, dual shooting thing that comes out. But this was a pure brand building affinity relationship play. Um, Why did you come to that decision and what have you learned uh, in its wake? I'm so glad you asked this question because this is something I actually have a ton of passion for And we spend a lot of time talking about this on our teams, which is how do you build brand love and what are all the ways that a brand can and should and does play a role in a consumer's life. And for us, you know, we create a ton of great products every single year and our, you know, we have product innovation rolling out every few months, but that's just a part of our brand story. And there are so many other aspects as you think about our brand blueprint. And that's really how we refer to the Nerf, uh, you know, the Nerf brand is all of the things that we're offering consumers fall along this brand blueprint, which does include product innovation. And that is a huge part of the story, but we have entertainment. And I'd put this campaign and TikTok as a platform to a degree into the entertainment bucket. YouTube, for example, we just launched a reality type show on YouTube called Nerf House Showdown over the weekend that falls into our entertainment bucket. We have consumer products and we just, you know, for example, we just launched this great Reebok partnership. You might have seen the shoes out there. They have that kind of old school look to them. Really cool brand partnerships with Supreme and digital gaming. We just launched a VR or announced the launch of a VR game coming up. Location-based experiences where you can go to a physical space and have a nerve experience unlike anything you've ever had before. It brings our brand to life in a completely new way. And so these are all things that are playing into how we engage and connect with our fans. And so when you start to look at that blueprint and you think about where product lies in it, it's big, but it's not the only thing. And for us to leverage our channels to really connect with our fans around other aspects of our blueprint and to create a deeper connection, to build that brand love and affinity, that is incredibly important to our team on NERF, our franchise team on NERF. The goal of this campaign, we really wanted to make sure that we were celebrating that connection that we can have with our community 
and that we think that they have with us. We saw that they are talking about our brand to a significant degree without us even being on the platform. And so this gave us an opportunity to have a really honest, authentic conversation with them that wasn't about, hey, buy this product, hey, we're selling you this item. It was truly just building excitement around our brand. It was us offering a new type of value, which says, hey, we're here and we're putting out some great content, but we're also inviting you to be a part of that experience with us through this incredibly fun, exciting, kind of disruptive role and campaign on the newest, hottest, platform. So we feel very excited about the content. We were feeling excited about the content that we put out there. And I think the content created by the thousands of fans who submitted application speaks to their excitement for the campaign. And net net, we ended up seeing three, almost 300 million media impressions. We had over 100 million views of the campaign hashtag on the platform. We received over 1,500 TikTok applicants, which has to be, I joke about this, I don't have the actual number or the actual data to support this, despite me saying I'm very data-driven, but that has to be a record number of applications for any one Hasbro job. So, you know, 1,500 is pretty significant. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. It's, it's wild. And, you know, my favorite part of this whole thing is that, and perhaps the most telling, is that this was all done with almost no media support. There was a little bit, but but very little. The results for the campaign were earned because the campaign that we created was intended to be about engaging the community. It was intended to be about creating that deeper brand connection and offering a unique value prop to the community. And I think that the results would suggest that we did exactly that. Yeah, I'd say absolutely. And you know, one thing that you you just brought up, but I want to kind of stop uh, and put a spotlight on was the authenticity to the platform and like coming, you know, speaking their language. Uh, everybody listening, go ahead and pause right now and look up Nerf Chief TikTok Officer and like take a look at the creative because it is so spot on to the TikTok platform um, and just does a really, really, really good job of going full authentic. How do you, how do brands pull this off successfully? How do you get that feel in the creative on a, a platform like TikTok? Evan, I'm going to toss this one over to you to start. I have some thoughts, but I'd be interested in yours to kick us off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of things at play. One is that, you know, you want to establish a voice and tone on TikTok. Creators and, and people on the channel always talk about and sometimes complain about like finding their niche. You know, it's like, what's my hashtag? What's the kind of channel that I'm going to create? And so I think a lot of it is just discovering what that brand voice is and then playing into it. And again, like Nerf and TikTok are a perfect match because Nerf has this really fun, exciting, energetic voice that really matches the tone of the platform. And so the other thing that was really helpful is that Nerf was willing to take risks with us. So obviously we produced some um, influencer content and some stuff that like looked really fantastic while still being like platform specific. And then, you know, one of the pieces of content I'm very, very proud of took us about maybe half an hour to shoot. And it was because Nerf kind of pushed us and asked us like, hey, we want something that's kind of funny, that's original, that's going to, you know, like spark on the platform. Can we make this happen? And so we worked with our internal team and we have some, you know, incredible creators in their own right who work for movers and shakers. And we just came up with this really authentic, fun way to kind of create a video that, again, like showed Nerf's authenticity and sort of, you know, admitted like, hey, we need some help on TikTok. Can you guys come and help us? Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to describe a TikTok because that feels 
you know, almost um, sacrilegious. So just, you know, go and uh, hit up the channel. Yeah, you can find it. But basically, again, like, you know, speaking the language of the channel and um, just making sure that, you know, not coming in with too heavy of a hand. And I think, you know, the one thing that's really fascinating about the platform is that people want brands on there and they want to see the people that they love work with those brands. You know, there's always this kind of thing in the comments that's like, get that bag to our various creators. And it's because, you know, people want to see one brands be authentic and to interact with them. I'm sure Sarah, you've seen this comment a lot, but it's like, does Nerf respond? And you guys always write back, we do respond, you know, because people want to talk to the brands. People want to comment and share and, you know, really, really see that, you know, there's an authenticity and, and a, a willingness to be part of the community. And, you know, the whole Nerf team has just dived in head first and it's been really awesome to see. Thank you, Evan. And I'll, I'll build on that a little bit. I love that you brought up the commenting and the banter back and forth with fans. And that's been a big part of our channel growth strategy. Not only has it been a great way for the fans to feel like we are human. And I think this is one of the things that leads to that feeling that something is authentic, which is to make sure that it is authentic and to give them a peek behind the curtain. I think when we see brands, brand accounts out there and brand channels and handles, we tend to think of them as non-human almost, like the actual brand brought to life. But the reality is we're just a bunch of people running the account and trying our best to engage with a community that we have a lot of respect and love for. And being able to show that human side and being a little bit self-deprecating, as Evan said, in some of our original content where we said, hey, like, we want to be here. We want to do this right. We're not quite there yet. So please help us really helped in, in, in achieving that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think the campaign came off as authentic because it was authentic. Not only did we have a really unique creative idea, disruptive idea in the Nerf CTO position, but we truly had a need for the Nerf chief TikTok officer. And so the creative we put out there was built on a very real need for a very real role that a person would be playing day to day for our brand. So, you know, you've got the idea, you've brought it in, it's authentic to the platform, people are responding, 1,500 applicants. Now all we got to do is find the chief TikTok officer. And as it so happened, uh, it was a match made in heaven. Uh, Like you couldn't write a better story for the person who ended up being the recipient of the job. Um, So what did you think when you read her application and how was her tenure in Nerf C-Suite? Thank you. Sophie has been amazing. Um, So for the fan community out there listening, Sophie Lightning, that's her name. Look her up on TikTok, Instagram, wherever you might be. She's an amazing person, but she's been an incredible CTO for Nerf and not only been an amazing day-to-day partner as a part of our, as an official part of our team, and a incredible creative, which I've, I've really learned more about her creative style as she's been a part of the team, but her content's doing incredibly well on the platform. She has filled the role and exceeded expectations in terms of making content that connects with the community. She really understands our fan community. And I think that ultimately comes down to one thing for me and for our team, and that is authenticity. I know we've been using that word a lot today, but it's so important for this, or it was so core to this campaign. And I think it's really 
a big part of the reason why the content that she continues to put out and our platform continues to put out is resonating because we are keeping that as one of the core things that every piece of content needs to include is it has to be authentic. And she, I think with Sophie, she has been a true fan of the brand for many years, long before this campaign was, was launched. And so we've been familiar with her. We knew who she was. We didn't know her like we do now. And that really came out in her application video, her love of the brand, her knowledge of the brand, her deep history with the brand. Um, it all came to life both through her application, through her final interview with us, and it's coming to life in her content. And like I said, I think that's a big part of the reason why our community is loving it because she just gets it and it's real and it's true to who, who she is. With over 1,500 applicants, you know, we had an incredible applicant pool. The creativity that we saw was truly unmatched. Making this decision was so, so hard. And we ultimately went with a person who kind of had a little bit of everything, but really had that authenticity about her and that true love for the brand. So, you know, our community likes it. We like it. And at the end of the day, Sophie feels really good about the content that she gets to create. She's not selling out for a brand. She's doing what she loves. So it feels like a win all around. It's a little bit of a love story. We all just, you know, we're all very happy. Um, I've learned a couple of things about Sophie in the process though that have been incredibly interesting that I did not know about her before. And one is that she's a little bit of a digital consultant. So this is something uh, for those listening who don't know much about Sophie, she's been a big part of the Nerf community for a long time, but she launched a channel on TikTok kind of at the beginning of TikTok and rose to, you know, over a million followers very, very quickly and has really become a student of the platform. And she is educating others on, you know, how do you become an influencer? How do you grow on a platform? How do you think about the evolving nature of social and trends? And how do you adapt to that very quickly? And how late is too late on a trend? And so she has this uh, platform knowledge and expertise she's now helping us be a brand that has that platform knowledge and expertise and connection to, to trends. I mean, there are times when there'll be a trend and by the afternoon, she submitted a piece of content that'll go live that, I mean, so fast, so much fast. I'm not even aware that the trend existed and we've already posted about it on TikTok. So it's fantastic to have somebody who's, uh, like I said, a true student of the platform and of social on the team and who also loves the brand and gets it and understands how to use the product and connect with the community. And I'm going to brag about Sophie just a little bit more. Go on. I'm not sure if you know this, but Sophie was just named Adweek's Women Trailblazers list, which went to 35 women. And she was awarded as a leader who is reframing the future of tech, marketing, and media. And this award is really prestigious. She was alongside women such as Kamala Harris. Tracy Ellis Ross, Kimberly Godwin, and many other highly accomplished women. And honestly, we couldn't be more excited for her. It's such a tremendous accomplishment that really speaks to the work she's put in to get here because, you know, being in a position is one thing, but it's all about the work that you did to get up to there that nobody saw. And we have seen some of that. And it has been just such a joy to have her on the team and to see her really come to life in this role. That is I like, it's almost too good to be true. And I'm actually glad that we get to put this whole conversation out because, you know, like when I, I could definitely see my like, no, this, they found somebody and she's crushing it this hard and she's get like, no, this has gotta be something. But like, you know, you look back and you see, she's been a content creator for years and years and years. This would have been a hell of a long con if it were, you know, manufactured and you can't manufacture uh, things like you were talking about, like the one day turnaround. 
you just can't do that. Like there, there's no incentivization of somebody who doesn't have it in them that, that can make that happen. So that is just super, super, super cool. Thank you. Yeah. And it, right. Working on a big brand and those one day turnarounds for anyone out there who works on a big brand, you know what a challenge that is and what a benefit it is to have someone on the team who just gets it. I think that's just also me. just, you know, just the, the great thing that Sarah, this, you know, whole thing has provided for Nerf and other, you know, the thing I think that brands can take away from that. And the thing that we always try and preach at Movers and Shakers is this idea of moving at the speed of culture and the speed is increasing and it's ever increasing. And so, you know, I remember when the ad week uh, article dropped, we put it on our Slack and, um, you know, we, for any type of Sophie news, there's just always that lightning emoji. And it was just emoji, 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 emoji. It was like a little thunderstorm. We were so excited for her. Um, and that's just awesome. It's the best part of the job is like, you know, providing that platform for really talented people and, you know, providing Nerf with this way to, you know, continue to speak to that cultural conversation and, you know, and then start to shift it and really push it forward in an awesome way. So, I mean, yeah, Sophie is the coolest. Just so incredible. So incredible. So now that Nerf has caught lightning in a bottle on TikTok, um, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to just excuse myself for the rest of this interview for doing that. Um, thanks, everybody, for coming along. This has been the mark. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to do it, and I apologize. Um, what is next for Nerf on TikTok? God, I mean, there are so many things that we want to do. This has been, you know, coming out of the Chief TikTok Officer campaign, it inspired a whole new set of ideas. There's actually more ideas than we have time and, and money for. So it's a good problem to have. Um, but to highlight a couple of the things that we're doing, we just launched a, a week or so ago, a really exciting campaign on the, on the platform, which is the first competitive TikTok tournament for Nerf. We call it the Nerf Hyper Tourney. And what we've done is movers and shakers really were the masterminds behind crafting this campaign in partnership with our team but we have four influencer talent, really amazing uh, influencers who are drafting their own teams of the TikTok, from the TikTok community. So each captain is looking for two team members and those teams are then going to compete against each other in a series of really fun Nerf challenges and the community gets to vote on the winners and the winning team gets some pretty epic prizes. So a really fun way to create kind of a competitive tournament on the platform. We feel like we're gonna get some incredible content and a really fun way for the community to have some involvement in this campaign, just like they did in the Chief TikTok Officer campaign. We also have a program in place, and, and I love this program, where we are able to partner with up and coming creators on TikTok to create Nerf inspired content for the channel. So we find niche creators who are really good at a specific type of content and say, hey, like, could you do something with that and Nerf? And we have just been able to explore areas of creativity that we would not have been able to on other platforms or work not for these really specialized creators. Um, and that's one of the things I love about the platform is that you can, and digital in general, general, is that you can test and learn all sorts of things that might not feel like a fit on other channels. So for example, through this creator program, we launched TikTok videos that bring to life Nerf through food. We had somebody create like a big nacho plate that spelled out Nerf and all the toppings were around in the Nerf swoosh. Check it out. We've done fashion shows, dance, 
makeup, a, a post just launched uh, the other day where a woman painted half of her face as a Nerf dart with a Nerf logo. And it's truly the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen in makeup. Um, please check it out because it's, it's incredible. But you know, th that's, that's the great thing at the about the platform is that we can kind of test all these different areas. We can see what lands, you know, the half-life of a piece of content on digital is really pretty short. So if something flops, you just smile and move on. It was a good opportunity to learn. But if something is a hit, the amount that you can learn from it and the extensions that the brand can really take and learn from there are unlimited. So we don't expect everything to be a hit, but we expect to learn through absolutely everything we do, whether it's quote unquote successful or not. And that's such a great, I'm so glad you put it that way, because I feel like so often <clears throat> brands, whether they mean to or not, go the opposite direction. They will dwell and, and try and cover up and explain and pivot on a, a, a mistake or a flop. And, you know, when something goes well, well, you know, that's good. That's business and we'll just keep going from it. But yeah, in, in this, you know, at the speed of culture as it's happening now, you know, a misstep is gone before the days we're going to take a little bit of a pivot um i talk to all of my guests about the next thing because i just think that the more povs from smart folks in our industry that we can get you know on the record and shared with with the a a membership and beyond uh the better so uh sarah then evan uh, what are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? I'm glad you asked this. Um, I think it's one of the most important conversations that organizations, teams, people should be having both in and outside of the office. And really more than just conversations, but having conversations that actually lead to some sort of action, some sort of change, increased diversity and inclusion in the workplace and hiring in conversations and commenting on TikTok and what drives and motivates consumers, opinions shared, the more diverse we are and inclusive we are, the, I mean, the better we will be, period, end of story. At Hasbro, we talk a lot about play with purpose. And I, I like this because, you know, it doesn't just mean having fun when you play with a product. That's, you know, obviously a piece of it, but it, what it really speaks to is, are we creating play experiences and are we creating products that reflect the diverse needs and mindsets of our very diverse communities. And as I think about NERF and how we think about this conversation, what we have found is that it's a brand that can really level the playing field. So anybody can play regardless of ability or disability. And we've, we have some really passionate fans. We've had schools reach out to us to partner on projects to create easier blasting mechanism for kids who might have prosthetics. Or we've seen families send in pictures of family battles with kids in wheelchairs or family members in wheelchairs. And the products are designed in such a way that they can be used from most positions and angles to make them as inclusive as possible. You know, age, we think about age. I, I just this week received, or this morning received a picture from an independent living facility. And the residents were having, had set up a full on competition with Rival, our, our competitive blaster. And, they had a winner and there were like 30 of them who were competing. It was honestly, it's, it's those moments that it just makes me so proud to be on a brand that can span every age that you, you know, that there is. Gender is a big thing for us. Getting girls in the game. This is something I'm personally passionate about. I was an athlete growing up. I was an athlete in college and 
NERF is a perfect brand for supporting play for young women. This is really important. It's a big conversation right now. How do we build confidence? How do we build their competitive spirit? There's a lot we can do there. Race, ethnicity, sexuality, you know, we even have products for pet owners, you know, Nerf dog. Uh, we want everyone to feel like they can participate and feel welcome and invited to play. And it's something that we're thinking about a lot. You know, I personally believe that the fastest way for a brand to lose relevance is to stop listening to the diverse perspectives of their communities, of their consumers, their stakeholders, of their employees, right? We have to listen, we have to adapt, we have to do this every single day. I, you know, tying it back to the conversation that we've been having all day, platforms like TikTok and Twitter have actually given an incredible stage for people to talk about what's important, what they're not seeing enough of to hold brands, to hold people accountable. And beyond being great platforms for engaging with fun campaigns like CTO, they're incredible platforms for brands and me and us as people to listen and learn about what social issues and conversations are top of mind and the things that we have to be tuned into. Just love that from top to bottom, especially for a brand whose end users are so overwhelmingly the future of everything. Um, that's just so cool. And you like, it's so funny. I had like follow-up questions. You just answered all of them. So <laughs> it's amazing. I was going to ask about accessibility. That's incredible. Um, obviously getting girls in the game is just, you're perfectly positioned, as you said. Really that's are. amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Evans. Sarah, I think we have our next campaign, which is we need to get some uh, phones into that senior citizen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are like a right. billion views right. waiting to. Yeah, be yeah, I am dying for that uh, tournament to, to happen. Um, well, you know, marketers love to say on LinkedIn and on websites and various places that we're storytellers, right? Agencies love to say we're telling stories. We want to tell stories. We're all about storytelling. But if you don't have diversity, you are only telling one kind of story. And so at Movers and Shakers, I think, you know, the key is, again, you know, if you want to connect to culture, if you want to create moving, interesting, diverse, new stories, you need it to come from the right point of view. And you need it to come from the people who are experiencing it. And Movers and Shakers is one of the most diverse places that I have ever worked. It is such an important, important tenet of what we do. And I think, you know, again, uh, everybody take a drink, authenticity, but um, you know, it's, it's the core to the entire thing. And I think that, you know, we always talk about progress, right? There's a lot of talk right now in culture and media about progress. And I've always found that progress comes through telling that great story. And the story of unity and the story of equality is a much more interesting story than the other stories that are out there. And so I think that's, you know, our goal as marketers is again, you know, it's about spreading joy. And I think we would all like to spread joy together instead of apart. So diversity is such an important, important bedrock foundation for what we do. And again, don't you want to hear a new story? I know I do. I love that. I'm just, every time I ask that question, it just fills my heart um, to hear people who just got it, you know, see 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 through the kind of oh it's very important you got to make put it put it first to mind like do some digging really make it your own uh and both of you did that and just thank you very much for it now i know we're talking nerf and tiktok today but here's where the fun and games end okay we're getting serious right now <laughs> this is the hot seat right michael yes. this is yeah things this are about is to it. get very this is serious it. i will need an answer from both of you <laughs> sarah we're gonna go with you first 
What is your favorite album of all time and why? <laughs> this is so hard. I mean, what resonates with me changes based on my mood and my time and my setting and where I'm at. So oh, this is a really, really tough one. I'm That's very it. interesting. Now, what's your favorite album oh, of God. all time? <laughs> like, great. Um, okay. I, I've always loved Frank Sinatra. If I have to pick a favorite, I... I'm a bit of an old soul. When I was six years old, I think I was the only six-year-old listening to Frank Sinatra on repeat. I love the feeling of jazz and where my mind goes when I listen. But but I'm going to caveat this and still cheat, even though you said one. My favorite album of the last couple of years has to be by Emily King. She's soulful and jazzy and boppy, and I love a good bop. Um, I've seen her live, and she I still think about the performance. She was so fantastic. She has a couple of albums out, and I can't pick. The Switch and the Scenery, both are fantastic. So Emily King is going to be my answer to this question, but I just had to give a nod to my Frank Sinatra love. Absolutely. You made a, a brave choice. And just so you feel better, when I was nine years old, I dragged my parents to Atlantic City to see Harry, Harry Belafonte perform. <laughs> so I've got, I'm, I'm, we're right there. Together. Indeed, indeed. Evan, hot seat time. This is, Favorite album. This is very time. easy. Although um, this question is, you know, definitely something that could spark some sort of slack battle at any moment at Movers and Shakers. Obviously, music is a huge part of what we do. So, you know, um, anybody out there, please, you know, slide into my Slack DMs and, and let me know how you feel about this. But um uh, Purple Rain is the greatest album that has ever been written. It was made by, I even hesitate to call him like a physical human being. He it's is questionable. the symbol. He is Prince. He is probably from another planet. And we're so glad that he visited us. And that album created at the height of his popularity, specifically engineered. If you want to know, I'm a gigantic Prince fan, but go and follow at Anil Dash if you really want to do some good Prince deep dives. He writes incredible stuff about tech and all sorts of things, but his Prince stuff is just fantastic. And, you know, again, like the idea that the biggest single of Prince's career and on that record is basically a live record is just a testament to what an incredible talent he was and, you know, playing every instrument and I can go on and on, but Purple Rain is, is pretty unimpeachable. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really hard, like, it's hard to even talk about him. Like, you know, Eric Clapton was once asked, what's it like to be the greatest guitar player in the world? And he said, you'd have to ask Prince. The man and made a guitar disappear at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, I don't, I could, I could go on. I could talk about the Super Bowl. I could talk about, you know, when I saw him at Mohegan Sun, also, oh, you know, a very crucial moment in cultural history. <laughs> one thing to doing a whole spinoff series on this one question. So we will definitely have you both back for that. We can get into it. Um, but that's great. I mean, yeah, I think, and that's beautiful. We got a little bit of taste of the, the new, a little bit of taste of the old slash, you know, timeless, a shout to Frank. I got my Harry Belafonte reference in. I'm feeling great about that question and answer session right there. We went a lot of places. We did, we did. <laughs> um, so let's bring it up to the present. Uh, what are you listening to now, be it a song, an artist, a podcast, a book even? Uh, what's, what's, you know, revving your engines now? All right. Uh, well, I'm going to do the same thing I did before, an old and a new. Um, 
obviously, besides the NA Marketing Futures podcast, which I love. Um, obviously, and thank you very podcast much. Podcast person, big audio person, always have something on. And I've been really into a business and tech podcast called Pivot by Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher. It's really informative, a lot edgy, funny, makes me laugh, makes me feel informed. And, you know, what more can you ask for on a, any given morning? Um, and I also just watched A Rainy Day in New York. It's a couple of years old with Timothy Chamelet. And it's a bit of a love story to old Manhattan. A lot of like jazz supper clubs and rainy walk, walks in the park. And the soundtrack to the, to the movie really kind of transports me right into the city in that time. And I think that's really magical and lovely. So those are a couple of things that I've been listening to lately. Fantastic. Love Kara Swisher and Chalamet. Um, both <laughs> huge fan. Um, I uh, currently right now am listening to a Spotify playlist called Lorem, which I uh, highly recommend for any of my uh, elder millennials out there. It's essentially a, a nice little toe dip into what is uh, trending on the TikTok platform and kind of how music is evolving for Gen Z. And it's really interesting to listen to some of the new genres that are sort of like coming back. You know, I think one of the things that's always fascinating about culture is the way it kind of and history is how it comes back around and you know uh gen z is rediscovering punk music and like <clears throat> pop punk and things like that really? and um yeah definitely I'm, go and check out learn what, something new every episode yeah what willow is is uh working on right now but it's um Lorem is definitely a really interesting dip into kind of emotional updated um, interested music, the kind of stuff that, you know, we would have probably listened to in high school because it hits you in the uh, quote-unquote feels. Um, but yeah, Lorem, I highly recommend it. And, um, you know, again, for anybody who is opening up the TikTok app and is throws their phone across the room and is kind of terrified, I think this will be a nice, you know, dip into the shallow end before you get into the deep end. I feel seen. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Sarah, Evan, this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on the Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.